we're going to continue our study on the be happy attitude. Uh, again, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to read this morning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. The world as we know it will never be the dwelling place of peace until peace finds a home in the heart of humanity. It does not matter what president, what congressman, what political official tries to negotiate. It doesn't matter the, the peace accords that they sign. There will not be peace in our world until there is peace in our heart. For a lot of people, the, the pursuit of peace uh, has become a full-time job, a passionate job. Uh, our, our society is full of think tanks, centers for world peace, people that walk around with a peace sign on their shirt, peace signs on their jewelry, whatever it is, they're searching for peace. It was a joke several years ago that every, uh, every one of the girls in the Mission USA beauty pageant, when it came their time to speak and say what they wish for the most, they would all say peace on earth. Our world is looking for peace. Peace uh, in the home, peace in our country, peace in our society will never come, it will never happen as long as we seek peace on our terms. If we demand peace on our terms and cling to the things or hold on to the things that actually produce strife. It is amazing, and, I, and I'm not a political person, I have just about given up on politics, uh, but with, it's amazing that you hear people uh, in political circles that say that we're looking for peace and we're doing it through uh, battling. And I understand that some of that is necessary, sometimes you have to war to have peace. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but you can't hold on to things of strife. If you start the war, then you're not necessarily looking for peace. Uh, we live, our society, and it's not a joke, and I hate to sound negative, but our society is full of anxiety. Uh, we're looking over our shoulder all the time. Somebody was telling me just a minute ago about the hurricane that's coming. Worried to death about the hurricane, and uh, I guess I have a little bit of a cynical side of me, just a little bit. I'm a little bit cynical and a little bit sarcastic. Every now and then it creeps out. And uh, I said, you know, it doesn't matter how much you worry about that hurricane. If you worry a thimble full or if you worry a million gallons worth of worry, you're not going to change its course. It does not have an effect on the storm. And I, I am a person that don't tend, I don't tend to worry about hurricanes. When they get here, they get here. We'll deal with it as it comes. Uh, but, but anxiety and, and, and civil, uh, civilization, our, our society, uh, fears, we're constantly looking over our shoulder. We're worried about the next uh, terrorist attack. We're worried about the next hurricane. We're worried about the next tornado through the Midwest. We worry, worry, worry. There's no peace. And uh, even now, uh, the world is wake, uh, anxiously watching Iran and its nuclear weapons capability. We're worried 
to death about Iran becoming a nuclear power because we're, we're not sure that the regime could hold their finger off of the button and what would they do with it and there'd be this big nuclear mushroom on the face of the earth and, and so there's this always this state of turmoil. There's always this state of anxiety. There's this state that society lives in of worry and stress and, and the, even the Bible says that in the last days men's heart would fail them for fear. They would literally die, have heart attacks because of all of this fear and all of this stress that comes against us. And, and uh, it doesn't matter. I listen to the news a lot on my way home from work, and it's about the only time I listen to it anymore on the radio. And, and uh, there's terrorist levels. And everything you hear just about is about fear. They're scared. People are scared. Society is scared. And in our society, in this place of turmoil, um, I heard yesterday that Baton Rouge is on uh, track right now to break its all-time murder record, that you can't go to certain parts of Baton Rouge right now because the chances of you being killed are so high, and there's places the police don't want to go, and, and you go on and on and on and on, and in all of this turmoil and all of this, this thing that we call society and, and all of this uh, upheaval, our, our politicians are trying to come up with ways to stop crime, and and uh, they're, they're trying to come up with ways to comfort people and let you know that, that even if the hurricane strikes, FEMA's got your back. And, and all of this stuff to try to, to get rid of, to, to take away all of this worry and to institute peace, to give us peace. But there will be no peace on earth until we have made peace with God. Peace is a gift from God. Humanity cannot manufacture it. We can't imitate it. We can't duplicate it. There are people that stare into crystal balls looking for peace in their future. Other people turn to habits and, and things to help prop them up to try to realize some type of peace. The bottom line, what I'm saying this morning, and Jesus said it, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. There's no such thing as peace, true peace, without God. It's not possible to have. You may have moments of rest. You may have moments where there's not as much stuff going on as, you, as there was the other day. But there's no true peace. I read a statistic several years ago. One of the major universities studying human behavior had gone back to what they considered the beginning of the human race, whatever point in evolution that they be, they, they uh, believed that humanity developed a, a forward enough or a developed a, a strong enough brain to understand and blah, 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 whatever. And they, had, uh, they had taken that and, and, and tried to determine out of all of man's existence, how many years had there been without war? And I don't remember how many, I know they went back, I think they said eight or 10,000 years into human existence, what they believed was human existence. And they had determined that in the 10,000 years, there had been 287 years on the face of the earth where there was no war. Peace doesn't exist without God. But one of the interesting things about being a peacemaker, when Jesus said that you're blessed if you're a peacemaker, 
is that you can't give away what you don't have. It's hard to be a peacemaker when we don't have peace. It's hard for us as Christian people to be the peacemakers to our society, to be the peacemakers to the world when we ourselves don't have peace. It is, it's difficult to give away something you don't have. It reminds me of the story of the two guys that were uh, walking down the road one day, and uh, one of them uh, said, man, he said, you know, we've been friends for all these years. We've been best buds. I mean, we've grown up together. We spent the night at each other's house, and he did this, this uh, resume that they were having of good friends, and he said, look, he said, you know, if you had two houses, would you give me one of them? The guy said, man, you know, we as friends as we are, close as we are, the stuff we've been through, buddy, you know if I had two houses, I'd give you one. They walked a little bit further down the road, and he said, man, he said, if you had two cars, would you give me one of them? He said, buddy, we've been such good friends. We've gone through all of this stuff together. You've helped me in these my times of need. You know if I had two cars, I'd give you one. They walked a little bit further down the road, and he said, man, if you had two pigs, would you give me one of them? But he looked at him and said, now, man, you know I got two pigs. It's hard to give away something you don't have. It's easy to say you will. I had a guy the other day tell me at work, man, if I win the lottery, I forgot now, he says $180 million or something like that. He said, if I win the lottery, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you some money. I said, well, I won't hold my breath. Because first of all, you're not likely to win, and if you do, I can tell you I'll be the last person you think of. It's easy to give away what we don't have, but it's hard to give it away, to actually cause something to happen. I can walk up and say uh, to Bo that I'll give you $100,000. That's easy to say, but I can't actually give it to him because I don't have it. The same thing is with is the same concept with peace. It's hard for us to be peacemakers. It's hard for us to negotiate peace between two warring factions, whether in our families, whether uh, in our workplaces, in our society, uh, in the spirit world, whatever it is. It's hard to be that peacemaker if we ourselves don't possess peace. When we try to be peacemakers. Without having peace ourselves, most of the time, we make things worse instead of better. I have seen that lived out. I've seen people that have no business trying to help somebody else because they're worse off. Jesus addressed it in the New Testament again by saying, uh, you know, who which one of you having a beam in your eye would try to cast a moat out of your brother's eye? It's hard if you don't possess things to give them away. Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. This is how Jesus could stand up with confidence and be a peacemaker. He is the Prince of Peace. So when he said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Listen to the word of God. 
Jesus is saying, I am going to leave my peace with you. My peace I give it unto you. Peace is a gift of God. It comes from God. It comes from the Spirit of God. It's not something that we can manufacture. Uh, I like to tell people in home Bible study settings that Noah, when he was on the ark, anybody ever heard of that story before? When Noah was on the ark, at the end of, of the flood, the, the ark had rested on the ground, and, and he set a dove loose, and the dove came back, and, and then he set a dove loose, and the dove came back with a, an olive branch. And Noah knew that the waters were dried off the earth, and he set the dove loose, and the dove never came back the third time. The dove is a sign of peace in our society. They set doves loose in the, in the Olympics for peace. As a symbol of peace, we have a dove in the, back, in the baptistry. It's our church logo. It's a sign of peace. But if you read throughout the Bible, when Noah set the dove loose, after the flood, the earth became more wicked. Peace left. Peace left. So when did peace return? For those that have been in Bible study, in my home Bible study class, you're not allowed to answer. Anybody know? When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. Peace comes from God. It comes out of our relationship with God. And it doesn't matter how much we try to manufacture it doesn't matter how good we try to live. It doesn't matter how wonderful we try to be. It doesn't matter how positive we try to think. It doesn't matter how society tries to pass laws. It does not matter. True peace only comes from God. And it only comes from God's approval. There's a secret place written about in the lyrics of a song we sing a lot of times in Christmas time. The Bible talks about it in Luke 2 and 14 it says glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men peace is not born because man wills it to exist it is born when men are approved of God without his approval there will never be peace and I hate to sound so negative when you say that, but I want you to understand that our efforts are futile to produce peace. We have to have God's approval. I will tell you this morning, this is free, no charge for this, but there will never be peace in the Middle East. Clinton's not going to negotiate it. Obama's not going to negotiate it. Whoever is elected after Obama, whether he's reelected this term or not, Whoever's elected after him won't negotiate it. Jimmy Carter couldn't do it. Ronald Reagan couldn't do it. George Bush couldn't do it. Nobody is going to negotiate peace in the Middle East because of uh, the way those people are. The Bible says there won't be peace until the Antichrist comes. So it's not going to happen. We have to understand that God is the author of peace. And without peace and without his approval, there will never be peace. We can have talent. You can have power, you can be famous, you can be beautiful, you can be a movie star, you can have all the money you want. But without God, there will never be the genuine, 
deep-seated, from the heart, full, spirit full of, that just peace that passes all understanding. I've been amazed at how much money society spends to bring about peace. And I'm not against psychologists and psychiatrists. You should go see them if you need to. But a lot of people spend a lot of time and money there looking for peace. So is peace about feeling good or is peace about being good? Paul wrote in Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the sequence in this scripture. First, we are justified through faith. And then we have peace with God. And inside of all of us, there's a conscience. There's, has anybody ever, and I, I don't want you to, you don't have to necessarily raise your hand, but answer this in your own mind. Those times when you just feel like you're not as close to God as you should be. You ever had that time when you realize that I may not even be right with God at all? How does that make you feel? I mean, we all look. We all have times where we're where we're not what we should be. It's 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 human nature, and, and I'm not judging anybody. But there's been times when I've laid my head down on my pillow at night, and 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 the course of thinking about stuff realize that if the rapture takes right now, takes place right now, I'm not likely to make it. And there starts inside of you or should start inside of you a turning. It's not peaceful rest then. It's not your mind's not at peace. I know that my mind in those times seems to get real active and, and you start going through the what ifs and, and there's all of these thoughts and these feelings and, and there's no peace. There's no way to rest peacefully. There's, there's no comfort. You lay down on the pillow and, and it's, it's turmoil and you stare at the wall or you stare at the ceiling or if you're your room is really dark, you stare at darkness and, and you, your, your, your mind and your spirit is in turmoil. There's no peace because we, we're not right with God. There's something that's not right between us and God. And in every person there's that, that, that voice, there's that conscience that, that can't always be silenced. And we try to escape it. And, and I've seen people, I've done it myself in a, in a time that I spent outside of a relationship with God where you try to do everything you can to silence the voice. I remember Sister Yvonne uh, Thompson said one time, testified one time that, uh, that while uh, she lived outside of a relationship with God, she would sit on a bar stool and, and uh, one drink after another just shoot them down and, and uh, you know, was trying to have fun and would uh, go out and dance and, and, and all of this lifestyle to try to silence to try to squash that voice that was in on the side of her. But she said every night without fail, when she would lay down to sleep at night, in her mind was constantly a voice saying, you're not right with God. And it would never, never provide a place of peace. And no matter how much she did, no matter what she did, she could not get to that place of peace in her, in her own life. Society has tried to dismiss the notion of guilt, you're not wrong. It doesn't matter what you do, it's okay. I've, I've heard that until I'm sick of hearing it. 
Time Magazine. I was in the dentist's office a couple weeks ago, was reading the Time Magazine, and, and the article in there uh, was talking about this very thing and said that the, 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 latest, the, the latest statements from our psychologists and psychiatrists and all of that is the reason why people suffer such emotional trauma and such mental problems is because of guilt, and, and we need to stop telling them that what they're doing is wrong. So that's how society deals with it. If we can convince you that no matter what you do, you're not wrong, then we can help you with the feelings of guilt. So, and the Bible addresses that, saying that some men would sear their conscience with a hot iron. They would get to the point where they would realize or they would believe that what I'm doing is not wrong, and, and when we get to that point, it's society's way of trying to get rid of guilt without having to go to God. They don't want you to go to God. They tell you you can deal with it yourself, and, and so we society is embracing this humanistic solution, and we rearrange our attitudes, and uh, we try to feel good, and we banish evil without trying to actually uh, quit doing evil things, and we, we try to get peace without confession. And it doesn't work. David said in Psalms 85 and 10, Mercy and truth are met together. Listen to this. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Righteousness and peace go together. We can't have one without the other. If we want to feel good, and have peace, we have to do good. And this isn't just about your lifestyle. It's about living for God. It's about embracing a relationship with God. You're, you're not going to obtain the level of peace in your home, in your family. You can try. Put the effort into it. But you're never going to get there hate to sound negative, but I have to just tell you, without God, it's not going to happen. And until we uh, as people, and until we as the church uh, can get peace, then we can't give peace. We're never going to impact our society. We're never going to impact our community. We're not going to impact the lives of other people and offer them a peacemaker and show them how wonderful it is to have a peacemaker until we have peace. And we cannot have peace if we're contrary to God. So we have to be good in order to feel good. Kind of a uh, funny way of saying it, but nevertheless it's true. So as people search for peace, what can we do? The first thing is we have to stop fighting God. Stop fighting God. Quit trying to justify our attitudes, our mindsets, our bents, by our own understanding, quit trying to justify uh, the way we live, the way we act, what we think. Call it what it is. If it's contrary to God, if it's contrary to the Word of God, just call it what it is and move away from it and live the way God wants us to live. And again, I, I want to tell you, I'm going to, it's, I, when I say that statement, it's not just what we call living for God. It is every part of our life. 
We have to forgive people. I got into a conversation with somebody about that yesterday, about forgiveness. You have to forgive people. And they were relaying a story to me about somebody that, that has years and years and years of animosity and, and hatred built up towards a certain circumstance, and, and uh, their life is, is crumbling around them because of it. Everything that God wants us to be, everything that God commands us to be, everything that God commands us to way He commands us to act, every thought and, and every mindset, if we would do that, it brings peace. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those that can that can be a peacemaker because first of all, they have peace. And if you have peace, then you have engaged a relationship with God at a level that brings peace to your life. And when you have peace, then you can negotiate or you can give away peace. I remember when I was getting married, somebody, and I've said this story several times, I just kind of think it's funny. Uh, somebody walked up to me that was on their third spouse and started giving me marriage advice. And I didn't listen to them. Didn't work for you. Your way of doing it is not all that awesome. And when people see, have you ever tried to help somebody, a family member that's going through marital problems or whatever, and you try to help them and, and, and they, they don't listen or, or something's happening and you can't help them out and, and you don't, sometimes we don't realize and sometimes we don't think about it, but when they look at us, what do they see? If you're always in conflict, if, you're, if your marriage is always in trouble, do you think that somebody wants to look at your marriage and say, I want mine to be like that? Peace. If we have it, we can give it away. We can help other people. 1 John 1, 8-9 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. think that, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here, it's, it's way already way too negative, but if we think that we got everything under control, we're deceiving yourself. Confess it, let God bring about peace. So what is a peacemaker? What is a peacemaker? First, a few things that it's not. A peacemaker doesn't seek peace at any price. It's kind of an interesting concept. A, a true peacemaker does not seek peace at any price. Jesus, being the Prince of Peace, invaded the temple with a whip. And he drove people out of the temple, turning tables over. He was a peacemaker, but he did not believe in the concept of peace at any price. I know somebody that parents in this, in this mode. Now, see, I get in trouble for whipping my kids. There's somebody sitting kind of close right over here that tell, told me the other night, don't whip them hard. You could beat me unmercifully. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. For those that don't know, it's my mom. But there are, I know somebody that parents like this. It's called the peace at any cost method. 
I will do whatever it takes. I will accept whatever I have to accept. I will, I will not raise my voice. I won't raise my, my uh, I won't allow my, my indignation to rise up. I won't raise my standards as long as we can have peace. I won't stand for anything as long as we have peace. And I know somebody that perished this way. So when their kids act up, they don't say or do anything to the kid because that will hurt their feelings. We don't want to do anything to hurt their feelings. Now, I'm not talking about grandparents. Grandparents don't whip their, their grandkids. They don't make their grandkids mine. Uh, my mother-in-law is sitting back there. She watches my two boys almost every weekend, and she don't make them mine. They don't have to. When they get ready to eat a Pop-Tart at 2 o'clock in the morning or pancakes, she has told me she got up and cooked pancakes at 2 o'clock in the morning. That won't happen at home. And that's fine with grandparents. That's what you're supposed to do. But I'm talking about the peace at any price mindset. I don't want to have to stand up and draw a line in the sand because I would rather have peace. And it doesn't work. Jesus, in this illustration, he was a peacemaker. He was the embodiment of peace. But when it came time to cleanse the temple, he wasn't a peaceful person. And sometimes to bring about peace, we have to stand for what is right. There's, there are some lines that get drawn in the sand. And guess what? If you cross that line, there's fixing to be a problem. But it doesn't mean you're not a peaceful person. It just means that in order for me to stand and to live the way God wants me to, there's just certain things that can and cannot happen. And it's just in a story. And if you try to push me across that line, you're going to see a side of me you don't want to see. So leave me alone. That's kind of my way of saying it. Oh, just let them be. It'll all be okay in the end. We don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. We don't want to step on anybody's toes. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So we're going to let all the commandments of God, and we're going to let scriptural attitude and scriptural mindset, and we're going to let forgiveness and all that just go out the window. I'll just harbor your, your grudge because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Peace at any cost is not doesn't work. It doesn't change lives. You know what? If you want some of that junk out of your life, you're going to have to bow up. For those that don't mean, know what that means, square your shoulders back if you're preaching today. Bow up. I'm not going to tolerate this unforgiving spirit that I have anymore. And I'm going to get do what's necessary to get it out of my life. And then you'll have peace. A peacemaker is not a compromiser. Peace that is won by compromising is not peace at all. You cannot compromise, especially the word of God, to have an illusion of peace. I know that most of you have lived much longer than I have. Although this coming Wednesday I turned the big 4-0. I'm getting old. <laughs> Still kind of young looking. Have any of you heard over your life where 
two factions that are battling would sign a peace accord or a ceasefire. And it's not, I've heard it in my short life. This group signed a peace ceasefire with this group. And man, it is just tragic. Because you know as soon as somebody throws a piece of old chewing gum on the other side's person's side of the line, there we go again. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, there was, uh, and I don't even remember now where it was, it was an artillery shell that, that started the conflict all over again. I remember uh, several times the Israelis and the Palestinians signing a ceasefire and, and somebody's military training with a missile would go wayward all of a sudden and hit in somebody else's yard and we would start all over again. Compromise. We are going to sign this peace accord, but it's, but it's not, I'm not doing it because I want true peace. I'm doing it as a compromise. So you have this middleman that says, now, if you'll stop doing this, this one will stop doing this. And you do this, and we do this, and then, and then all of a sudden you come to this ceasefire. But it's not true peace. It doesn't bring about peace. You're only one piece of old chewing gum away from starting it all over again. That's not true peace. And our, the politicians, then they bow up. Well, <laughs> look at what I've done. I've negotiated a ceasefire between these two warring factions. But you didn't bring peace. I remember uh, a lot of you might have heard of this guy. Uh, I think his name was Neville Chamberlain. I know it was Chamberlain. During World War II, you remember the, uh, the I don't remember it. I remember studying about it in history. When he holds up a piece of, he is signed with Adolf Hitler in 19, I don't remember what peace accord it was. Some of you history buffs help me out. And he declares peace in our time because he had Adolf Hitler's signature on a piece of paper. It didn't work. It's compromised peace. And peace does not come from compromise. A peacemaker is not an appeaser. Appeasement can postpone confrontation, but it never brings lasting peace. When somebody's offended or mad, well, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Well, you're right. You know what? I'm going to calm down. That's an appeasement. For right this moment, I'm good, but it's coming back. At some point, that's coming back. A peacemaker doesn't just appease people. So a peacemaker, what is a peacemaker? First of all, a peacemaker can function in an atmosphere of turmoil. As people, we pray for life without conflict. We pray for life without strife. I don't want a battle. But a peacemaker is able to function even in turmoil. It's hard to be a peacemaker and learn to be a peacemaker when life is perfect, when there's nothing to make peace with, when there's no need for peace. It's hard to be a peacemaker when there's no conflict. I remember when I was selling real estate, there was a, a house that I was selling and, and something, uh, something happened to the deal right at the closing table. It fell apart and 
and the, the people that were buying the house, I, I asked them, I, I said, what's wrong? Why are you walking away from it? And they said, well, you know, we prayed about it and said, God, if this is your will, then let nothing go wrong. And I, we've all, I've done that. Anybody else ever done that? But you know, after that, it dawned on me, that's the most retarded thing in the world. You know how retarded that is? God, let's let everything go smooth. If ever, what if everybody in the look at every apostle, look at every prophet, everybody in the Bible that ever amounted to something, and see if their life was smooth? Ask King David, the man after God's own heart. Ask him if everything went smooth in his life. And it dawned on me how dumb that is. God, I just don't want conflict. I want you to manifest your power. God says I can't do both at once. I told you a little bit a while ago I was a little bit cynical and a little bit sarcastic. Every now and then it does leak out, and I'm sorry. We need to quit praying for easy life and start praying to be stronger Christians that we can handle the turmoil. Let's build, as Christian people, let's build bridges to people who have isolated themselves. Let's be part of the solution instead of being part of the problem. We're the light of the world, and we are the only ones that can make a difference in a dark place. It's up to us to do that. A peacemaker must be willing to confront. That almost sounds like an oxymoron, a paradox. But a peacemaker must be willing to confront. Nothing is settled until it's settled. Misunderstandings, hurt feelings, none of that stuff is going to go away until it is completely settled. And if you are misunderstood or if you misunderstand somebody, if your feelings are hurt or you hurt somebody's feelings, believe me, the infection only grows with time. I know people that were hurt 30, 40 years ago, and they're not over it. It doesn't get better with time. Time does not heal all wounds, as the old saying goes. And the best way to deal with these things is to go and confront them. Now, when I say confront, <laughs> let me throw this disclaimer out there. If somebody hurts my, if Brother Bunch hurts my feelings, I'm not going to walk up to him, slug him in the jaw, and say, I'm confronting you over you hurt my feelings. It's not what I'm talking about. But don't run from those hurt feelings. You need to deal with them. You may not even go confront that other person, but you're going to confront the, the feelings or the emotions that you're having at that moment. You need to confront that and deal with it and get over it. Don't bury it. As Brother Murphy's been teaching on Wednesday nights about depression, burying stuff comes back in waves that will blow your mind. Absence of over strife. The absence of strife does not necessarily indicate peace. Some people stop fighting long enough to take a breather and they appear to be at peace. Look, they're not fighting. And all they do is wore out because they're battling the same old battle for 50 years. So they're over there laying on the floor panting and about passed out from the lack of oxygen. And all that, they're at peace. Look at our poor dear brother. He's at peace right now. No, he's not. He's resting so he can battle again. Just because people aren't fighting doesn't mean there's peace. 
We need to be a peacemaker. We need people to be peacemakers in their homes. Our homes are under attack. Our homes are being torn apart by so many things. We need to be peacemakers in our homes. We need to be peacemakers for our nation. Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses interceded for the children of Israel. And on and on it goes. David interceded for Israel. Solomon prayed for Israel. Throughout all of the the, the Bible, men of God and women of God prayed for their nation. They became peacemakers for their nation. Ezekiel 22 and 30, it's a it's almost a, a, a very sad scripture the Bible records. God is speaking and he said, I sought for a man among them, talking about the nation of Israel, that they should make up a hedge and stand in the gap before me for what? The land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. At one point in all of the nation of Israel's history, God looked for a single person to pray for that country, to pray for that land so that God wouldn't come destroy it. And God couldn't find a single person of all that nation to pray for. We need to pray and be peacemakers for our country. We need to be peacemakers for our homes. Pray for your home. Do you know I went into uh, a home two or three years ago. There was a lot of turmoil going in and I sat down and uh, and I, I begged those people. I begged them. I told them literally these were the words out of my mouth. I was desperate. I said if I could get down on my knees and I could beg you to pray in your home, for your home, I would do it. If I thought it would work, I would get on my knees and beg you right now. We need to pray in our homes and pray for our homes that there would be peace. We need peacemakers in our homes. I was teaching a Bible study uh, a couple of years ago. Some of you will remember us talking a lot about it at the time. It was at a place called Palmetto Springs. It was a retirement community in, in Walker. And uh, understand that Brother Billy Thornton is still teaching that Bible study now. And we had about 35 or 40 uh, elderly people, a part of that Bible study. And after one night, I was talking, I talked in that Bible study about praying and praying for your family and everything. And there was a lady that walked up to me. She was 72 years old. Barbara later came to our church and prayed through, and I baptized her in the Tipler swimming pool. Sweet lady. And she walked up to me that night after Bible study. She was sobbing. She said, Brother Merrill, you know, I never knew in all of these years, I never knew that I could pray for my children. 72 years she prayed for her children, and none of her children served God, and it hurt her so much to realize and to know that she could have prayed for them and just never did. We take it for granted. You're like, man, that's dumb. You know you can pray for your kids. Some people don't know that. We need, we need to make sure our kids understand. Our kids need to hear mom and dad praying for them. My mom will remember this. I'll, I'll conclude here, but my mom will remember this. She used to, back when I was a teenager, early teens, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and need to pray. Remember that? Man, one o'clock in the morning, I'd go in there, Mom, I need to pray. And then she would go get my sister, my older sister, up who hated it. She would, my older sister would kind of stumble in there, 
you know, I'm at the side of the bed and I'm just praying. You know, I'm just, oh, God, I'm praying. And mom's sitting over there and my older sister's over there. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Help this boy so I can go back to bed. But I remember being able, it was such a comfort, to be able to walk into my mom's bedroom and say, Mom, I need to pray. For whatever reason, fear, whatever it was, Mom, I need to pray. And my mom would get out of bed in the middle of the night knowing she had to go to work the next morning. And she would pray with me. We need to be peacemakers in our home. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Because first of all, you have peace. And then you can give peace. You can impart peace to other people and show them a way to be a peacemaker. Praise the Lord. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be a peacemaker. God bless you this morning. Thank you for your attention. Get up, shake somebody's hand, tell them you're happy to see them in the house of the Lord. We'll start our second service in just a few minutes.